0: I'm Elizabeth Stark. And I'm Angie Powers. And this is Storymakers Show. Have things gotten worse for mothers who want the time to write?
1: Former nonfiction editor at Literary Mama, now SF Grottoite, solo performer, writer, host of a yearly contemplative creative retreat at Santa Sabina and more, Susan Ito talks to us about the prohibitions against mothers leaving their children for extended writing retreats, the challenges and processes of fielding submissions, time management, juggling projects, navigating
0: medium. She studied solo performance with W. Kamau Bell and has written nonfiction and fiction for magazines and and anthologies so she has plenty to say about writing for the page versus the stage we got tips on organizing your material secrets for recording your own audiobook and the strategy of braiding stories with insights into walking and writing practice and good ways to talk about work that is still tender in workshops this is an episode you won't want to miss by the way i'll be at awp at
1: the end of march 2016 so if you're in la come say hi are you still creative nonfiction editor at literary mama
2: you know i just stopped that after like 12 years oh my gosh i want to talk great, about that I, too yeah yeah i just i just stepped away from that which was really hard but there's just so much going on i i couldn't keep up with it so so what was your job for those 12 years well at first i was uh well i was many things i was three things there i was um fiction editor and I was also a columnist for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and then I was creative nonfiction editor, which I was for the most, and that's what I left recently. Yeah, and it the, was just—it was just—it's a lot.
1: You're so you're taking in open submissions.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we have um we have we have submissions and submission guidelines and um we had a very active mailbox it was it's a Google, gmail box and so we have three or four, I think now there's, well, now that I'm gone, there's probably three, um, creative nonfiction editors and we rotate the mailbox every month. Uh. So what happens is the first person is the major responder of the mailbox. And then if there's something that's either a maybe or a yes, then we share it with everybody else saying, what do you think? You know, I'm kind of on the fence with this. And then we kind of, um, Discuss it out, and if everyone feels like we want it, then we send it to the senior editors mm. and see what they think. It's it's kind of a huge gauntlet because basically you have to have the approval of the majority of all the editors um, first in the creative nonfiction department, and then in the then the senior editors. And sometimes we would send something to the senior editors, and they would be like, mm, you know, we're not crazy about this, and then we'd have to go to for it and either they would ultimately decide yes or no but it, it's it's kind of amazing how how many people you have to get through in order to get published mm. it's a lot and did you
1: find that people if you loved something in general other people did love it or was it
2: often very different points of view i mean when it was like something that just got knocked it out of the park we all were like oh my gosh this is amazing we all have to take it and there were some things that were just yeah I would say there were other things that we were just a split vote and in let's see I'm wondering if if the no votes would then be able to convince the yes votes or vice versa Mm. but I think if somebody else really liked something and I was just kind of about it (laughs) um I would usually be able to convince them that it was too to use, and there are in fact
0: facial expressions there again, this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but those facial expressions I think reveal quite a bit which I wish you could link to them like, I know if we could just get yeah. that little frame and then just pop it up boom
1: the editors chagrin, yes, and you're also a writer and and well well and broadly published, so did this encourage you to submit a lot to get your work out there knowing it had to go through a gauntlet?
2: you know, I am kind of terrible about submitting. I keep making myself little notes and I I even put them on my calendar with alerts, like such and such deadline is coming up, send them something. But of course, in order to send something, one has to write something and Mm -hmm. edit it and revise it and complete it and make sure that it feels right. And so I would often... I often miss deadlines because I just can't get it together And time. I don't have a huge stockpile of stuff ready to send out. I wish I did. Um, that would be good. But um, I usually end up writing, like making myself an assignment. Like, oh, there's this thing. They want something on this topic or, you know, write something, you know, and I, I make it like an assignment for myself.
1: Which is great. I mean, real real life deadlines. If they if you meet, meet them, can be really inspiring.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and not having a big backlog log is a sign you're getting your work out there. So.
2: <laughs> it is, but it all and it's also a sign that, um, yeah, I don't. Have, I'm not spending enough time writing. Um, well, let's talk I'm about. Working on, I'm working on longer things. I'm working on a couple of <laughs> too many book length projects. Mm. When I work on book length projects, then you don't have short things to send out, which is, it's just a, it's a hard balance, you know, just how much time, if you have X amount of time in a month or a week or a day, how much of it do you spend on the big project, which might not see fruition for years? Mm. How much do you spend on something that, you know, might have a deadline coming up in a few months or a month and, you know, other things. How much time do you spend doing laundry? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, one of the things that I'm inspired about is your presence on Medium. And I actually mm-hmm. was hoping you might be able to explain a few things about Medium to me. Sure. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not really an expert on Medium, but I do use it. And I've been having some fun with it recently. Do um, you want and- to talk about
1: the, the couple of, um, I don't know, publications that you have or how that...
2: Has Yeah. um, Well, I used to I used to be a very active blogger. I had two blogs. One was kind of a health and fitness blog called Food, Food, Body, Body. And I kept that blog up for about five years. And then I just um, I think I kind of ran out of things to say. It Mm -hmm. started feeling really redundant to me. And I just like that wasn't my main focus in life anymore. You know, I had a health crisis about six years ago. And I was like, I have to get, I have to get hold of this. And I used the blog a lot for community and accountability and just chronicling my own trying to be healthy. Um, and then after a certain point, I kind of felt like I had really learned a lot, and I had gotten this great community. But in the meantime, while I was focusing so much on my health, I was really stepping away from my other writing, writing fiction, writing essays, teaching. I mean, I really took a big detour. Um, And I had another blog called Reading, Writing, Living that I did for about five years before that that was kind of more of a writing, teaching living kind of everything blog. Um, And I don't know, people are saying, well, blogging is dying or blogging is going away. I'm not quite sure if that's true or not, because there's still millions of blogs out there. Mm -hmm. People are writing and reading. Um, But the thing about Medium, when I I discovered it, it was a way of (sighs) writing something, putting it out that was very timely and not having it connected to either one of my blogs. Like I had something that I just wanted to write and it felt like it wasn't really for either, either one necessarily. And it also, it's so it's very easy to use, Mm. very user-friendly and it was, it's very pretty and very elegant looking. And I felt like it it looked better than my blog. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, um, I experimented it for a while and I'm just realizing it's 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 a way of having something out there that's just kind of a la carte. It's sort of free floating and it's not um, but it's connected to medium and that's good and it's a different readership. Different people find it that mm-hmm. would never have found either one of my blogs. And so um, I started using it and recently I started a new project um, I actually am thinking of changing the name of it. One strange thing on Medium is you can't have a title that's longer than two words. It has to be two words or one word. A, the, a title of a publication. Yes.
1: But there's writers at work. Um, is that a publication? <laughs> I believe so. It's it's the only one I've managed to get affiliated with. But maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that's, writers. It's, I don't
2: know. Maybe is the at the little at sign? No. Maybe it doesn't get <laughs>
1: anyway. <laughs> now I'm not remembering.
2: I'll have to it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so my new my new little publication is called Camera Words. And I just basically did it as a exercise for myself because I'm a person who has boxes and boxes of random photos. They're not in an album. They're even some of them are in an album, but I realize some of them are really meaningful to me, but Nobody would have any idea what these photos mean, or that there that there's a story behind the photos, right. or that there's something going on here. So I've I've done a few where I I found some old photos of my mother when she was younger, and so I did a little interview with her. It's like, tell me what's going on in this photo? Well, who are these people? And she um, is in her 90s. She lives with wow. us, and um, you know, she really can't remember if she had breakfast or what she had for breakfast but she can remember this photo from her church group in the 1930s and she remembers everybody and -and so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so's mother did this and it's kind of amazing she could like point out every person in there and so there were all these stories so I have stories um so I'm just using it and I wanted it to be really informal like basically a the equivalent of a five minute free write. Look at this photo. What's going on here? What does it make you think of? What's, what is it? What's the story behind it done? And not, I didn't want it to be a huge ordeal for anybody, for me, for the readers, for anybody that might want to do it. So I've opened it up for um, other people and a few people have also contributed. Um, but the idea is to have a place to just uh, share These stories that that are attached to these photos, and um, I was going to do it in a physical photo album, like put the photo um, in an album and then write a thing with it that became too much work immediately before I even got the photo album that seemed like too much work and just physically like I would I write it by hand would I print it I have to make it so pretty I have to mount it I have to, all this stuff and so um medium is was a way that I could do that really really quickly I could actually take a picture of the photo with my phone and then dictate the writing or dictate the story or write it really really quickly and um it's been fun I mean I don't know if it's going to be if it's going to grow or it's going to have huge readership, I don't really care. It's just really for me and for other people to share their, their stories.
1: And yes. so how do people contact you? I mean, how does the submission process work on media?
2: It's it, that is a little mysterious. Um, I mean, it's, it was, it was, it took a while for me to figure out basically one has to contact me by email and ask to be a contributing writer. And so then I add, whoever the person is, um, to my contributing writers list, then they write the post on medium and submit it, submit the draft to camera words. And then I look at it and, you know, I have very, I have, I, I don't have very, um, uh, strict standards, you know, just basically, is it a picture? Is there an interesting story behind the picture? It's really not that hard to do. And then I publish it and that's it. So you're editing still. I'm still editing. I mean, if there was something that came in that just seemed too long or too, I mean, I, I don't want something that's really, really long, or if it seemed not very interesting, but I don't know how it could not be interesting um, or inappropriate in some way. Yeah, I was going to say that one is yeah. the... <laughs> if there was something that I just felt like, eh, I don't really want to have this, but so far that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to have, I, I mean, when I first started my... My um, goal was to do something every day, but I realized that's just setting myself up for Mm -hmm. failure. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, whenever it comes and uh, to try to encourage people to contribute. And I've been, I had one um, with my, my husband. Um, I I didn't meet him till he was in his thirties. And so he has got these photo albums from his childhood. I didn't know him as a child or as a young adult. And um so we've been going through some of his photos and he's been telling me stories which are fascinating and things and it's funny his, his sister then read it and was like, No, that's not the way that that's
0: not
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Submit your own picture and your own yes. story. Yeah. Well that's the thing about no. Same
2: picture, different
0: story. Yeah, yeah. which is not unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, noticed you did a, a one person show, or did that happen? How did that go? The ice cream gene.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm doing it. I am doing it. It's, um, it's interesting. I, uh, never have done any acting or wanted to ever do any acting or really don't like being on stage very much. But lo and behold, I saw a solo performance of another, um, Solo performer Lisa Marie Rollins. I don't know if you know her, but she's amazing. And I saw her piece called "Ungrateful Daughter." She's um, also adopted, and she she has this amazing piece. And I saw it about eight years ago. I ran up to her and I said, "How did you learn how to? What is this? What what are you yeah. What are you doing?" I didn't even know what it. I didn't, wouldn't even know how to describe what it was she was doing. So it was a solo performance, and I study with W. Kamau Bell. Oh, uh, nice, uh, nice. I've heard of W. Kamau Bell, but he has. Amazing! He's a comedian, and um, he's incredible. He has a new TV show out called uh, United Shades of America, and um, he's great. He had another show called called Totally Biased. That's right. Yes, it's fantastic. It was on um, FXX channel. Anyway, um, he was teaching at the time eight years ago in San Francisco Solar Performance Workshop, and I went, and he actually was the main uh, director and. influence on my on my show, The Ice Cream Gene, and since then, I have performed all over the country, and I'm wow. preparing, I'm expanding it, working furiously to expand it for this huge um, national conference called the American Adoption Congress, and I'm going to be their key entertainment nice. um, in Denver in April, so I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm so excited in- and I'm nervous because I have to write new material and...
0: But you know. as, as you look at, uh, say, memoir and a solo performance, you're doing sort of a cultivating of uh, or curating your own experience, what, the things that you're looking at to create a consistent story. And yeah. I just was sort of interested for performance versus the text, you know, text-based page. What is different in
2: your writing process, if anything? Oh, it's really different. Yeah. Um, when I write on the page, I mean, I, re- I rely a lot on language and, you know, these very detailed descriptions. And, you know, I like to kind of show off my sentences. Mm. Um, and, you know, I like sentences. And you really basically all you have is dialogue and gesture um, mm. in in solo performance. I have a few points where I step away and talk to the audience and kind of explain what's going on, but it's really not at all the same. So it's, it's very visual and very, um, a a lot of facial expressions, Mm -hmm. gestures and pausing and kind of really embodying it. I mean, there's no other way to say it's embodying it. And for me, it's a completely different experience to, um, to perform something rather than, well, when I read it, I'm usually not with people when they're reading it. You know, like you right. read my piece, I'm not sitting there watching you and seeing your reaction or hearing you go, Oh, you know, right. Anything like that. So it's, it's very intimate and very immediate and direct, uh, kind of communicating with your audience. Whereas in, you know, when you send something up in on the page, everyone's having their own personal experience with it writing and reading so that's super different
1: do you embody the other characters i mean do you perform the other characters no.
2: Um I had another piece. I had a couple of pieces where I did that and I found it extremely exhausting. You can do it, but I I consider that um it's really advanced mm. to be able to move back and forth and I recently saw another solo show. I was performing in LA at this adoption festival and there was another performer named Brian Stanton who did a piece called Blank mm-hmm. and he had about 10 characters that he embodied and I was my socks were knocked off. It was amazing, and I. Th- but he's also he's a professional actor, mm. and I thought, ah, <laughs> this is why he could do this easily, and he could move and like instantly. You knew that he was his mother, or you knew that he was, you know, a teacher, or he knew you. You could tell, and I feel like that would take a lot more training on my part. Such a thrilling idea. Somehow, mm. I,
1: I Angie mentioned the word curate, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about shaping a piece like that and whether, and whether you write it and memorize it or. If it's oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's funny. Um, I'm terrible at memorizing. And um, so I, I, I did write it and um, kind of shaped it. Oh, this is a thing about W. Kamau Bell and how much he incredibly helped me. So basically the piece, the ice cream gene is about the day that I met my birth mother. And so it opens with me getting ready to knock on the door and then we meet. And then there's a lot of flashback to all the things that led up to that day to meeting. And then there's the day, but really the envelope of the piece is the day. And originally Um, basically it was 30 years of being in reunion with her squished into 20 minutes. And he was like, "Mm, uh, can I make a suggestion? And then I was like, what? He said, this is a lot of material. And you know, he's like, what about just one day? And I was like, Ooh, one day. And you know, so he gave me this idea. And so like that has, that was the saving grace of it and made it something that I was able to do over and over again. And then it feels like it works, but Yeah. So that, that was a great suggestion. And that's something that I think wouldn't have happened. Like when you're writing on the page, you don't have to worry about, I mean, if it's going to be that long, it'll just be a book or it'll be a really long essay or you don't have to worry about squishing it into that space unless you're like, I'm writing a column or something like that. Um, Anyway, so I tend to go by bullet points, like, okay, we're in the room. I basically know these are the general things that happened. I'm terrible at memorizing lines. So this guy, Brian was, he was doing my tech lighting in LA last weekend. And I said, so I just want to let you know, I'm kind of a bullet point kind of person. Like I have my scenes and I know what happens in the scenes. Cause this is my experience and I remember it in a certain way, but it's kind of different every time I do it. And he's kind of gave me this look and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then after I performed, he he was like, "Yeah, you really kind of go off script a little." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't really go on script. I mean, I <laughs> it, like there's certain lines that I always always say, but I'd say that's about twenty percent of it, and the rest of it, I'm kind of giving the gist, and I might improvise. I improvise So I and I think that has to do with me not being a theater person because theater. Mm clearly have to memorize their lines. And for me, it's like, no, you know, nobody knows. No one's, you know, uh I actually it's a feature. It's
0: a benefit. It's not a bug. It's a feature, not a bug. And the truth is, if someone were to buy tickets multiple times to your shows, oh. then they're getting something new. They're getting And really, new. that's the value that you thank bring. Angie, so don't you.
2: underestimate that. That's great. I want this is this is slightly related to um, the mouse room, which I which was my piece that came out with She Books. I recently um, was uh, invited to make an audible book out of it. So um, I didn't. I had never done such a thing. And I went over to the very fancy recording studios. And when you do an audible book, you – oh, my gosh. You cannot go off script. You're reading it. And it made me realize how much I improvise when I'm doing a reading. Mm. Like if I do a reading from my writing, I will often – it's like, uh, you know, I, I edit as I go. I tweak a word. I, you know, I skip a line because uh, I don't like that line anymore. You know, I'll sk- <laughs> you know, I'll skip it. I'll, you know, and it's not in a very big way. I'm generally reading. I'll probably be reading 90% of it, but 10% of it, I'll be tweaking a little. You cannot do that. You're not allowed to do that with an audible book. Oh my gosh. And so I would read a sentence and they would be like, ahem, I start from the top again. I'm like, gosh you know and so (laughs) I had to start from the top so many times it was unbelievable because I would just start going in my head and like oh that would I like this word better and he's like did you just say this instead of that I'm like oh sorry so I realized that this is something that I do well you know comedians do that comedians come
0: up they have their bullet points they work through their show and then um you know, I think at some point some comedians get that rigid in their stuff, but a lot of times they're just working it out and tweaking it on stage and trying a new ending. So again, yeah. I think you're just pushing the envelope about what text can be.
2: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I didn't I didn't really even realize how much I do that, but um, it's it's clear. And and I didn't realize that you know those audio books when it says unabridged, they really mean like word for word for word. Yeah. I bet there are people out there, though, who would know and say,
0: Hey, like, I read this book and now I'm listening to it. And you know that there's somebody who's like, and you know, there were three words in this paragraph that were not in the original. It's part of the contract. Yeah. I'm just saying, I know, you know,
2: there's people out there who are, there probably know that. are. And that's why it had to be that way. Yeah.
0: I want to let me, let's
1: talk about the master for a minute. Funnily enough, it starts similarly to the way you describe your show starting
2: it is it's they're they're very linked yeah
1: and then you have a whole thread about working in this in the mouse room right, being the mouse girl and taking care of these these scientific specimens, these mice. And um, I, well, I always talk to my students about what I call cross currents. And actually, I was doing a, a class recently called Putting It All Together, and I was talking about taking pieces of your work and realizing, oh, these belong in the same story. And here you have these kind of two different currents, and they come together, and then they inform each other, and they create, you know, like I, I think of it as creating rapids. So, can you talk about how you came, if you remember, how you came to to know that these these threads belonged in here? And you know, there are other things going on in your life that that didn't get in, right, or didn't get, take precedent. You know, like there's a long distance relationship that gets mentioned, but at the end, it's not right. So, how do you make those choices and shape
2: shape it? Um, I have been trying to. I have been. I must have about 10 years worth of uh, failed drafts where I'm dying to write about this job that I had because really it's the weirdest job I ever had. And I just um – I wrote a fiction story about it and um anyway I've just been trying to get that to work out and um when Laura Fraser started she books, she is a part of the San Francisco Writers Grotto where I am and she and I went into her and I said I would love to I would love to write for she books. And um, can you tell me about what kind of memoir you're looking for? And she said, quirky memoir, quirky. We want things that are like really unique and unforgettable, and you know, kind of. She kept saying that we we're using the word quirky, and I was like, quirky, like working in a mouse lab. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, finally, I. Can. <laughs> and I so I started describing it to her, and she said, yes, exactly, you know. And she, so we just we started talking about it, I think, um, in a conversation, you know, like, so it was around the time that I had met my birth mother and it was just so weird because it was, it was like, I had to deal with all of their genetics and like how, you know, who, who was, whose parent in this little strange little kingdom. And I had to keep track of them. I had to breed them. I had, I mean, it was just it's like the weirdest metaphor right and at the same time I was struggling with this brand new relationship which you know it was all happening all at the same time and so we just and then I realized oh I the braiding started um making sense and then um yeah and there it was mm, beautiful
0: yeah and it's it is so powerful I think it's really interesting, the the idea that this was something that you knew had value, that you knew was interesting, but you had to find the right shape for it. And you had to find sort of the right... Pieces that go with it to right. kind of give it a re- another level of resonance to take it to
2: something more than just quirky, right? Because quirky, like, kind of. Yeah, can, I worked in this. I worked in this place. So what? You know, yeah. it was a weird place. It was a strange job. So what? And I think it took a while for me to realize that it w- it was really integrally. It was at the same time that I was struggling with this relationship. Uh, yeah,
0: so
1: fascinating. How can you talk a little bit about what the San Francisco Writers Grotto is for people who don't know and how it is to work oh. there?
2: Oh, it's I'm here right now. It's been my little here's I'm in I'm in my little office. Oh, nice Little office. It's little tiny office. Um san francisco writers grotto is a community but it's also a physical space um in downtown san francisco and we have the entire second floor of a office building and we've got about 30 i think 32 offices um and then we have a big communal space like a classroom space and a library and little carols. And so people come, it's a, it's a place for people to come and write and to be able to get away from home um, and all the distractions of home um, and to really and also, so like the thing about writing is writing is so solitary or it can be so solitary. So this is a place where we get to have our solitude. We get to have our space. We get to have people around us who respect the, and, and know exactly what we all need as writers. Um and we also but sometimes you can get a little crazy in your solitude mm-hmm. because you never leave your pajamas or your bathrobe or you never go outside or whatever. So um we have a lunch room um where People can come in if they want to and like hang out at lunch and like, what are you working on? Well, oh, I'm working on an essay about this. World. And to have, to have that um, that kind of sharing. Uh, so it's great to have both to have the alone time, but also be part of a community. Um, of people that are incredibly supportive. I'm going to, right after this is over, um, there's a novelist down the hall from me who is hosting a little gathering on, um, antagonists. So oh, wow. five of us who are working on, um, fiction on novels are going, we're going to go and kind of like brainstorm and do writing exercises and like work out our antagonists. We're having a little antagonist group at, at, you know, three thirty, and that is, like, priceless, right? Okay, I and mean, there's
0: irony there, right? Because you're going to discuss antagonists, but without antagonism. And I
2: wonder. what One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a
1: whole fight. Right, you dip. know. I got a fight, you don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, and I think that the one that they did last time was um, – it had something to do with perspective or something, but it's mm. like taking one thing that we're all – grappling with in one way or another. So we're not going to be um, like sharing manuscripts or doing critique in a way we're actually trying to do work, but in a very focused way. Mm -hmm. And it's so we're just um, working with that. And then we had another uh, gathering. There were probably about 25 people um, in the beginning of the year, just everyone just putting down their writing goals Mm -hmm. for the year and for the month. And so it's just another way of having accountability. And, you know, people were saying, okay, so that I had somebody bugging me about, did you finish that essay you said you were going to do? And yeah, so I just, I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. It It is awesome. I think a lot of people could easily feel jealous of such
0: a situation. (laughs) But um, I also just think that it's important for people to reach out in general, like we kind of live in the rural northern california yeah. um, so there aren't quite as many people but there are some people up here and and you know i think uh i love what you're talking about people picking topics that you
2: know a lot of people are
0: working on and coming
2: together on that
0: i think that's a wonderful Yeah, it's i think it's
2: possible i mean even if you don't belong to you know, a a community like this to reach out and to say, do you want to do a meetup of, you know, Mm -hmm. are you, are you working on a historical novel? Are you working on this? Are you working on that? Do you want to talk about antagonists, anything? And just, there are people who want to, um, to talk about these things. And, you know, I have so many, I have many, many writing groups. This is not the only one I've met. and, And they all serve different purposes. Like I have the kind of standard group where people share pages and then, you get together and they just people discuss them. But then I have another group um, that I'm going to tonight um, where we just write together, you know, and there's, there's, there might be a couple of prompts, um, but they're very, very simple and very um, spontaneous. We write for an hour. That's it. Do you read aloud? We read aloud and that's it. And, but there's really no critique. It's more like people echo back wow, that was, that was really surprising when she fell into the river or what, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, people just, or it's really all positive and it's all just generative Mm -hmm. and there's no critique and there's no anything. And I have found that group, I mean I can't even tell you how many hundreds of pages I've written there just having that energy of people writing together. And the grotto is kind of like that in that I know that everybody around me is doing something very similar. You know, we're all struggling with words in some way or we're yeah, that's what we're doing. So
1: mm, wonderful. What other inspirations through your through your writing career have have sustained you or given you permission, um allowed you to, you know, break a barrier or what
2: what 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 inspires you what inspires me um well I, be, I believe i i believe a lot in in time alone and trying to do rituals and retreats and things like that another thing that i was practicing a lot is um walking and writing um practice that i used to um host out of my home last year when i was less busy than i am this year but it was kind of the same practice of doing like a walking meditation in silence for an hour and then coming down and sitting for an hour and writing and then doing some sharing Um, it's kind of like what we do tonight except without the walking part but i had a friend um a writing friend who used to live here in San Francisco, and she's since moved to the East Coast. And we had this walking and writing practice, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, because usually when I'm walking, either I have earbuds in or I'm talking to somebody and I'm happy, we're chatting and catching up and socializing, but kind of walking in silence um, before writing, it, when I do it, it's it's pretty it's pretty productive and pretty mind-blowing
1: i bet and you you lead retreats you want to talk about those I a little do, bit i do
2: i do um i started going to a place in san rafael um called santa sabina center about 28 years ago believe it or not um mm-hmm. I used to practice calligraphy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Writing. And the Friends of Calligraphy had an annual retreat at this place called Santa Sabina. It used to be a, a convent. So it's beautiful. And all the nuns are like little nun rooms. And um, they're, it's just they have these wardrobes that are just right out of Narnia. And, <laughs> uh, very, It's like a contemplative space. It's absolutely beautiful. And um, there's a little house on the hill called the Hermitage. Where you get to be the hermit for like an hour, it's just absolutely amazing and um so I went to the first calligraphy retreat, probably twenty eight or twenty nine years ago, and then they said, "Well, you know you can come back for a private retreat, and I said, "What's that and they said, "You can just come on your own and do it, do your own thing um and when I began writing, shortly after that, I began writing fiction. And then shortly after that, I had a baby. And so I would go for a 24-hour period. And I would, t- you know, the, remember those Mac Plus computers? Mm. They were like those square things. So I had a backpack for one. And I would take my whole Mac Plus. Was it called Mac Plus? Yeah. So it was one of like 1988 computer. And, and my back, I would take it, bring it up to Santa Sabina and set it up. And I would write for like a day and just to be able to sleep and wake up and you know be able to just write and that is something that it was just an absolute gift so I did that kind of on my own and then I started bringing writer friends with me so I would go with like a couple friends and then um after about maybe 20, 15 or 20 years, I thought, okay, I I could share this, but I I was feeling very protective of it. And then I I started doing bigger retreats and then people were like, I'm not a writer, but I really want to come. And so then I kind of expanded it to just contemplative creative retreats and we do collage and we do art. And and it's interesting to me, like uh, often at those, the people who come who identify as writers only want to do art. And the people who come who, um, you know, don't identify as writers want to start writing. So I find that really interesting. It's a place where people really break out and do things mm. that they don't normally do. So now we have a standing date there um, the first weekend of every year. So New Year's weekend um, is now mine mm. to have my retreat there. And so it, this will be the third, this was the third New Year's wow. of going up there. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you mentioned
1: starting this when you had after you had a baby. Can you talk a little bit? I mean, your kids are, are grown yeah. up now, right? But can you talk about writing and
2: parenting? I would love to. It's 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 one of my favorite topics. Um, well, they're now so my, my daughters are now 25 and 21. So they're pretty adults. They're mm-hmm. pretty much doing their own thing now. And um I think it started when I was going to Santa Sabina and you know I would just go for it would be less than 20 24 hours and you know, I would leave after dinner, go up there, go to sleep and then I would come back, you know, by dinner time the next day. But you know for a lot of people that's a lot of time, right? Especially when and I started I did it for the first time when my daughter was 1 year old. So I thought okay, for I would go away for like one day Depending on how old they were. Like, you know, when they were two, I go for two days. Three, I go for three days, you know? And I just found that everyone was used to it. I mean, like, mm. they became used it, What it because I started before they were even verbal. They, you know, and their dad, their other parent was with them. And sometimes my mom would come and help. So, um, you know, so I usually would go to Santa Sabina for, you know, three or four days when they were really little. And then I started hearing about residencies. What's that? Mm -hmm. And, um, I was fortunate enough to, um, get a residency at Hedgebrook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you heard, you know, Hedgebrook is this incredible place for women and this island in Washington. But one of their rules is you can only go once in your whole lifetime.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Once. So, They gave me a residency and they said, do you you can go anywhere from, you can come from two to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is it. This is my one chance to be here. So I'm like eight weeks. I'm taking the eight weeks. Wow. And my daughters were six and 10. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was amazing. I mean, it it was fine. You know, it was great. Uh, My family came up at four weeks and they came up for a weekend and we went to a you know, like an Airbnb place. And um, they were great. My mom came and she was helping with with my husband and they were in summer camp and whatever. And, you know, nobody died or, you know, it, it was fine, you know. And so... And so, and then, so then that was an amazing, it was an absolutely amazing experience. Then, so then I got all greedy, like, and I kept applying to more and, um, I ended up going to blue mountain center, which is in upstate New York in the Adirondacks. They have a month long residency. I went to McDowell. I went back to blue mountain. Anyway, I would go away for a month at a time. I never had eight weeks again, but, um, you know, I just felt like I got everything that Hedgebook was going to give me, you know, because I knew, um, that was it. And I'm I'm glad that it's so, so flash forward now my children are uh, oh but I got incredible at the time incredible criticism especially from other moms like mm. I could never do that I could never leave my children implying that I was like really terrible mother and um, and somebody one person actually said to me like what kind of mother are you that would her child oh my God. and I was like a writer kind. I don't like, I
0: don't know. And, a human uh, has more to them than just being a parent.
2: I yeah, mean. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I was at McDowell over mother's day mm. and, um, and I, you know, I was kind of feeling it. It was mother's day. And, um, and I, Raised my hand at the dining hall and I said, so, you know, if there are any other moms here, it's Mother's Day. Here we are. Maybe we could go out to dinner and kind of just, you know, celebrating moms. And somebody said to me, like, what mom would come here on Mother's Day? And you these know, are these are writers.
0: I, you know, the thing that was crazy, and this actually loops back to um, a conversation we had a long time ago with our friend Robin Lewis, who was talking about how so many things are actually set up to not support parents, specifically moms, in being able to have these kinds of residencies. Like you had a partner who was really willing to say, you know what, of course I'll take care of the kids. They're my kids too, right? (laughs) So he was clearly stepping up. But there are a lot of women artists who whose partners either aren't stepping up or who don't have a partner and who are parents. And, you know, these residencies are great. And at the same time, I think we came out of that conversation with Robin, like we're going to start a residency for moms so that like their kids can be like taken care of. And so, you know, and they can be supported in doing their art because for so many women it's, they don't have a great
2: partner like you have had. And totally. That's, that was actually, that's, that was my Powerball dream. Yeah. Mm. You know, literally like I, I did get tickets. We had a, we had a grotto, um, Powerball pool. We didn't, none of us went one, but that was my intent. And that has been my intent to have, um, family residencies and, um, to be able to support. There was one, there was one back in the nineties, I think Mm. that actually did, um, have families and children and child care and it wow. no longer exists. They don't do that anymore. Wow. I can't remember the name of it. It was C- Com- Cummington or C- <laughs> anyway. I don't- now it's Gonington. But, uh- <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but I know there's a, there's a, like a little um, postscript on your story.
2: Susan. Oh, there what- is a postscript. Yeah. So the postscript is, um, so I was talking to my, daughters. And I said, so I just was wondering like about your memory and your experience of like, you know, when, when I went away on all those residencies, you remember I would go away and remember I went to Washington and you came up on the ferry and saw me and remember I went to New Hampshire and you remember, you know, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah. And I said, what do you remember that they were like, yeah, you were gone for like a week. I'm like, no Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they were like so their their recollection if they had to remember was that I was gone twice for one week (laughs) I was actually gone for a total of about five months over yeah it was at least five or six months over five years wow and they didn't remember I mean they were like it was fine you know Dad, I mean they really like they basically they weren't they didn't remember anything I just and, think it's, it's, and they didn't mind i mean like what even at the time they weren't like crying and sobbing and breaking down and saying that they couldn't live without me and i mean it was all it was all fine and it wasn't like you were like here here's a pack of cigarettes and a razor blade i'll be back <laughs> in a couple of weeks like It was here you are in your loving home and I will be there. They were in their loving – oh, they they said, oh, yeah, one – it was a – yeah, there was that one problem because we had that one babysitter who like had narcolepsy and she like forgot to pick us up from camp and we were like sitting on the steps at camp like (laughs) – Of course, of course they, they remember that, right? California, right?
1: <laughs> but the, there's an, an activist, Marge Franz, who actually just recently died in her, in her I think 90s or something. But she, she was one of my professors. And she said, children need interesting mothers.
2: I so yeah. believe that. Yes. Well, uh, one of my... Um, I don't think yeah. i have it here. Uh, there's a fantastic book that was very inspirational for me. It, Oh, I know. I've got the mm. brain
1: when you remember it later let me know and I'll put it in the show notes
2: it was a beautiful beautiful book and it was interviews and photos of women writers and artists uh, mother mm. writers and artists parent writers and artists and um, and it, it, I, it, I like carried it around like it was my bible or something because I feel like these are women who are doing it they're figuring out a way to do it and some of them were single moms and they had figured out ways mm-hmm. some of them you know what they they did all kinds of things um but it was it really gave me courage and made me feel like i wasn't alone and i wasn't a terrible mother and i mean even now i mean i feel like things are even worse now i think mm-hmm. i mean i really feel like mothers are way less likely to leave their children than they were when my children were young way less mm-hmm. and so things have not gotten better or more progressive in that area i feel like people are super attached. Yeah. You know, for math, of worse. Yeah. You know? And and that that it just seems incomprehensible that they would leave their children for twenty four hours when they're twelve. Right. Do you know what I mean? I mean like it's for it's to smart. do like the Santa Sabina thing for yeah. for you know, just one overnight seems yeah almost impossible for so many people yeah
0: Yeah. i mean that it it is ridiculous and i think you're right about it having gotten uh, you know the expectations for for mothers specifically i do think have gotten increasingly like you're expected to work full-time and spend about 40 hours a week directly interacting with your children with full eye contact and you know
2: (laughs) on the ground on uh, the the ground in very creative ways yes creative and organic ways (laughs) yeah
1: I just – we have to do our final segment, but I just want to say that our friend Robin Lewis, who was who was talking with us about this ch-
0: challenge of – And uh, of, she from, did manage to go to some some well, amazing she, places. She
1: but. just won the National Book Award for her, yeah. her debut collection of poetry. So I just oh, want to Ro- – Oh, Robin
2: Costi-Lewis?
1: yes, yeah. Robin. I love her. Yes.
2: Yeah. She's amazing. She's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. She's brilliant. brilliant. She's amazing. I love her. I met her – she came to Mills. Mm. And, um yeah, did a, did a reading there, and she's amazing.
1: Yes. She's going to be on the podcast, but she's been, you know, we, before the book came out, we, we said, oh, you do. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely do the podcast.
0: And, of course, she's been, like, traveling around giving. Right. A, our a, podcast a- is kind of diminished relative to that <laughs> National Book Award. Somewhere <laughs> after Terry Gross, I'll slide you in. <laughs> She'll so. be back.
1: She'll be on. Um, we. I don't think I told you about this, Susan. But, Angie, do you want to mention our final segment? We'll wing it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, T.S. Eliot had a thing about uh, amateur poets borrow professional poets steal. And so we look at things in our surrounding world and think about things we'd like to steal. Um, And uh, I guess I can actually start if you want. Um, I'm reading this book right now. I'm doing something crazy with the script I'm working on. So I'm trying to read a bunch of different ways of approaching things. And one person was talking about, you know, if for a screenplay, having your protagonist have smart goals. And it's really funny because we have those goals in our lives. What are smart goals? So smart goals are specific, manageable, um, achievable, um, reachable, relevant and time bound. So, Basically, it's it's like oh, of course, like this is a total thing that we hear all the time in our in our productive, you know, everything you read about having smart goals in your life. So you know if you've done these, and she's saying, well, if you apply it to a, a protagonist, uh, you you kind of step away from these wishy washy goals, which are you know often for screenplays, it's hard to show how someone is, um, you know. Seeking to be redeemed, right? So you have to think of, okay, like, what is a specific, you know, we've, we've heard specific and concrete, but the, each of these other pieces, I think fit really well. So I was kind of excited about hearing her approach for a specific, uh, oh, measurable, specific, <laughs> measurable So you can't really tell at the end if someone is redeemed or not redeemed, but you can tell, you know, that someone said
2: thank you to them or something. You know what I mean? So this is a way of of mapping out, like, motivation for a character? Yeah, and how –
0: the script that I wrote was both large and I think the main character did some fun and interesting stuff, but it didn't necessarily add up. In the same way. And so she's talking about like a a smart goal being, if you can kind of figure out these pieces along the way about what's not just motivating your character, but if the thing that kicks off your story is measurable, is, um, relevant, is time bound like all of those things kind of automatically add pressure to your story development mm. so i think can it was very the, interesting that's really can you say the smart things
1: in because this is both a time management yeah t- it comes out of time time character tip. i'm writing this down yeah,
0: so i will say, say this say- comes from a book by hr da costa who this is just in uh is on amazon and i'll put it in the show notes Um, about outlining. And I've only read the first little bit. So this is what I'm stealing, which is, so SMART goals are um, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Fabulous. And so it's a quick and easy way for you to look back on your story and see if you have, especially in screenwriting again, if you have sort of that piece that – Makes it sort of cohesive. And the relevant piece is really interesting. She gave an example of, you know, if you took the character of Clint Eastwood from, um, in the line of fire, who is a bodyguard who has, was there when JFK was assassinated. And so carries with him this sort of need to take care of or be redeemed. And then you put him with the character, Grandpa that he has in Gran Torino where he goes in and he takes on like sort of street violence a similar goal but it doesn't make sense it's not relevant to the thing that his character is suffering from right so he has to actually go back and like save a president or go back and you know maybe not quite that literal but you can see if the goal isn't relevant it doesn't Mm -hmm. line up so it's been a great book so far I'll put that in the notes that's what I'm stealing for this week. <laughs> that sounds
2: fantastic.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, I, what I, I actually want to steal a couple things from you, Susan. Um, I, I love the solar performance idea and, um, it just sounds terrifying and, and thrilling simultaneously. So, um, I, I wish I could go study with the W come bell, but maybe I can.
2: Well, you. you know, there are people who are doing it now who are kind of, who came out of his workshop. Um, solo Performance Workshop is now being run by this amazing woman named Martha Reinberg. And she is basically took over Solo Performance Workshop from Kamau when he went off to bigger and better things. Um, and then there are people who do, like Lisa Marie Rollins, who was my initial inspiration. She works, she has a... Um, class called Solo House and she does um she does classes and also individual uh coaching with people. She's coaching me on my expansion of ice cream gene. She's fantastic. And then Zara Norbosch, I don't know if you know her, she's amazing. Uh she does a podcast called Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. Uh she happens to be my office mate here at the Grotto and she's fantastic and she um she's also really helpful in that arena so there are people who are offering
1: excellent well they those. will all be in the show notes and i will thus get to research I them
2: can, i can send you the um the link for solo performance works for both of them sure that would be awesome yeah.
1: thank you anything that you've come across in your uh readings writings mo- wanderings musings conversations that you
2: want to steal and make your own Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um one thing that I this is more about um something that I recently stole from my from my cl- my classes that I'm teaching is um it's oh, it's called um it's a, it's a way of giving and receiving feedback from each other as writers. And I think for writers we're often sharing our work with other people and giving and receiving feedback and, oh, it was called the critical critical response process mm. by liz lerman and she was a dance teacher i think so she's written this incredibly useful book about giving and receiving feedback i had a recently very difficult feedback workshop class um that i was facilitating where it was clear that my general uh guidelines weren't enough mm. and that they needed more specific steps in how to do it. And one of the things where they talked about was asking neutral questions like um, a non-neutral an, an opinion embedded question would be something like you know uh why is this cake so dry and so and they said and and the 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 implied opinion is this cake is too dry and the neutral question would be what consistency and texture were you going for in this cake <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's all these explanations but but this happens a lot especially when writers who are very tender are sharing things with each other and so i've been practicing um you know talking about writing or asking questions directed about my own writing um, in this kind of neutral way that it's not so loaded and people don't get defensive or hurt or or whatever. So I'm thinking about that mostly with my teaching and but just for um, being an artist sharing work in the mm-hmm. world. And so they said this can work like in families with children. It could work, you know, whether you're making cupcakes or, you know, staging a play and it could work basically with anything that you want feedback on. So wow, that's, I like that 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 is exciting it's really inspiring to me yeah. because you know when we're putting out stuff that's really important to us it's tender yes and to have a way to talk about it is is really useful
1: that's wonderful. Can you tell our listeners how to find you and your work?
2: Um, well, my website is just my name, susanito.com, which reminds me if I'm saying that, I better update it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am on Twitter and medium at as the Susan Ito, because Susan Ito was already taken. So my my Twitter handle and also my uh, medium name is the Susan Ito. And like I'm on Facebook. And thats I think that's about it. I'm also on Instagram, mm-hmm. for what that's worth. I'm hoping that I might be doing a... Um, a showing of the new segment if I get it together sometime in March in San Francisco, there's a, there's a, uh, forum called solo Sundays, um, in San Francisco at stage works theater. And they will often feature new, it's kind of like the marsh. They'll kind of figure feature new works, short works. And since my new work is going to be short and I think I, I might give that a try out before I go to Denver.
1: Well, please Excellent. let us know. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. I could talk to you guys
0: all day. I know this was super fun. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye, bye. bye <laughs>